right, good morning. Good morning, would you please stand as we begin worship this morning? Opening scripture for this morning is in 1 Corinthians, it's in chapter 1, verse 9, if you want to turn there. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Sing of God's faithfulness this morning.
listening right now, uh, and, and Selena and I think Hunter's taking care of her this morning, and Sierra and uh, Sydney are at a, uh, a volleyball thing, but it's been it's been a good week. She's doing good. We had enough food brought to our house to feed an army, so uh, thank you guys for the food that was brought, and uh, I'm glad to be here this morning. I know we got, and we'll pray about that, and I know we got some people traveling this week, and I know we got another knee surgery with Sam coming up Monday, right, on Monday, so we'll pray about that, but I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Let's open in prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning that that we can come here, Lord, to worship you and just what a beautiful oh, day it is. And Lord, I'm excited about spring and just the wonderful weather and, and getting outside and just enjoying your creation, God. And I thank you for this church family this morning, uh, this week. I thank you for uh, Savannah's surgery that was successful, Lord, and just continue to heal her. Be with Sam this week as he goes in for his tomorrow, God. I pray for him and his family. Let us be there to help them any way that we can. Be with our ones that are traveling this week that are that are gone. Just keep them safe, Lord. And today we want to worship you, Lord, in spirit and truth. We want to dig into your word. And Lord, we do want to honor you today by taking communion and, and Lord, remembering the sacrifice of your death and resurrection, God, and looking forward to you coming back one day, uh, Lord, and healing all the sickness and pain and for us being able to spend an eternity with you in heaven, God. We love you. We thank you. and We want to honor you today. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes and tell everybody hi this morning.
All right, you may be seated this morning, and if I could have all the kiddos come up here, you know what today is? Family Sunday. Family Sunday. All the kiddos. Hey, while they're coming up, I want to say, I don't know who who did the decorating, but Easter's right around the corner, and they did a great job of decorating with Easter colors and spring. I'm not in charge of that. If I was in charge of decorating, there'd be like deer heads around the, the sanctuary or something. Selena gets on to me for that, but... Yeah, so, all right, kids, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. Today's Family Sunday, so I want to read you our verses this morning that I'm going to read uh, again here in a little while. It's John 16, verses 1 through 4. John 16, 1 through 4, it says this, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Okay, so our verses today, if you remember, we talked about last week, or you guys were probably downstairs, a lot of you. We talked about how people will not like followers of Christ. That not all the time, when we are really following Christ and following what His Word says... There's going to be some people that just don't like us. For whatever reason, they, they just don't like God's word. So here's my question for you guys this morning. I've got a couple of different questions. Has anyone ever told you something that would be really fun? Like you're going to have a blast doing this, but then it turned out to really not be fun at all. Has anyone ever told you something like that? Like we're going to have a lot of fun, we're going to do this, but then it turned out it's not fun at all. Anybody have an example? All right, we got this on. Laser tag. Laser tag? Okay. All right. Man, I love laser tag. Hide and seek. Hide and seek? That's boring, huh? What? Never mind. Never mind. Watching TV. Watching TV? You don't think watching TV is fun, okay? Tag. Tag? Man, you guys don't like games? I was thinking more like when, my, when I was a kid, my dad would say, Hey, we're going to go cut some wood today, and we're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) And then when you got out there and you started cutting wood, it wasn't a lot of fun. Or, hey, we're going to dig up the rocks, or we're going to move rocks out of the garden, but we're going to have a blast today. Anybody ever move rocks out of a garden? A couple of you? Most of you have sheltered childhoods then, I guess. All right, any, any other examples? Yeah. Nice. Do what? Nice. Nice? Okay. All right. So, so here's, here's, here's my point. If anyone ever tells you that it's always fun to be a follower of Christ, that's not true. There are times when following Christ is really, really hard, and people will not like you, and they'll be mean to you, and they'll say things about you. It's just the way it is. That's the way it is. You know, sometimes my kids, my own kids, uh, when, they're, when they get, get older, especially when they start getting older, when they stand up for something that's right, they're going to be made, they're made fun of. You could ask Sierra or Savannah, maybe your older brothers and sisters, because they are Christians. But we don't believe, so the whole point is we don't believe in Jesus and we don't follow Jesus because we think it's always going to be fun or it's going to make our life here better. 
Why do we believe in Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? Anyone know? Because he's good. He is good. That's right. He knows everything. He knows everything. But we follow Jesus and we believe in Jesus because we believe that we've sinned and our sin violates a holy God and there's a punishment for that sin. And we believe that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. And so that's why we follow Jesus because we love him because we believe that he died on the cross. Not because that we always think it's going to be an enjoyable time. Because there's going to be times, listen to me, there's going to be times whenever, if, you, if you're a follower of Christ, that people are going to make fun of you. They're not going to like you. And so I want you to remember, always remember why we follow Christ. It's not because we, we want to have an enjoyable time. I personally think being a Christian is a lot of fun. I like to laugh and joke, and, but I also like to tell the gospel and preach the gospel. But I love, hey, one of the laughter and having fun is created by God. Everything good comes from Him, so it's okay to laugh and have fun and enjoy the Lord. But just know that there's going to be times that it's going to be tough and people aren't going to like you. And so th- that goes into the gospel in why we, you have been wanting to say something the whole time. Sweetheart, you're so precious. What would you like to say? Um, where's Miss Sierra? <laughs> Where is Miss Sierra? That's a great question. Miss Sierra is with Sydney today. And I'm going to tell her. I'm going to tell her to make sure she listens. Did you, you guys miss Sierra? Most of you say no. A few of you say yes. Okay. It's a split decision. So my point is today, and like I'm going to tell your parents later, we follow Jesus because of what he did for us on the cross, and we love him, and he's our Lord and our Savior, not because it's always going to be easy or fun. Okay? So let me pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for these kids this morning, uh, Lord. And I pray for them as they grow up and they they follow you and they believe on you, Lord. I pray for them that they will do that. And, uh, Lord, I pray uh, for them that they will understand that not everyone's always going to like them, not everyone's uh, always going to agree with them for the stands that they make, Lord, but they're not, they're not following you to win approval of man. They're following you because they love you and for what you did for them on the cross. So, Lord, I, I want to encourage them this morning. Lord, bless them. Bless their parents as they have a huge responsibility in raising them to love you and honor you. I pray for their parents, and I'm thankful, Lord, that we have a whole church full of kids and youth, Lord. I, I bless you for that, and I praise you for that. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you this morning, kiddos. You want to close on something? God's faithful. God is faithful. That's good. All right. Perfect. All right, so you kind of know what we're going to be talking about today, uh, but we'll get a little bit more in depth here later on. Let me go over a few announcements real quick. I know I have a couple. Uh, Women's breakfast. Women's breakfast this Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. at Gorillo's. If you can go to that, please see Carol Hartman. Empty Nesters is going to be this Friday night, March 12th, at the Wild Seed Restaurant in Stratford at 6 p.m. So if you're an empty nester and you want to get involved with that group, talk to Carol Hartman. Miss Carol, you want to wave at everyone back in the back there, being back row Baptist. All right. Love, Carol. Uh, All right, young adult ministry. I think I have this on my regular announcements too, but the young adults are going to meet. um, It's next Sunday night. At 5 p.m., March 14th, at Casey and Dave's house. So please let them know in the Facebook group if you're going to be there, young adults, for dinner that night. Casey, you want to come down here and present this? Discipleship certificates. And Casey redid our design on discipleship certificates, too, and it looks really good. Thank you, Casey.
blessed to be asked to finish um, the discipleship book with her. And already having our friendship and then serving on the worship team together and then now having this to share between us. I'm just so thankful and blessed and honored to have this girl in my life and be able to be there for her and encourage her and support her as she's continuing to grow on a trajectory of fantastic young womanhood and chasing after Christ and inspiring others. So I'm just very proud of her. I just want to say thank you to Kim Estelle. I don't know if she's watching, but hopefully she is. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to say thank you for Casey. She's just wonderful. And same with Kim. I love him so much. <laughs> Congratulations. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Today's kind of a busy day. The Charleston Mission Trip meeting is this afternoon at 2 o'clock at the association office. If you're planning on going to Charleston, please uh, be there. And then tonight, no men's Bible study because we have game night tonight. Game night is at 5 p.m. here at the church. Snacks. Bring snacks. No, they don't need to. Bring snacks. Bring some snacks, and we'll also have sandwiches here. So come tonight at 5 o'clock. We'll have a good time uh, of fellowship. Bible trivia. I think I announced this maybe Wednesday night, but there is Bible trivia at the association office at 6.30 p.m. If you're interested in this, please let us know. I know we got one team that's kind of forming. We can have multiple teams. I'll tell you, every time that Crossbridge has went to this, we've won. And so if we go to it this year... We want to win again, and we'll bring the trophy back here. Because we're not competitive or anything, are we, Crossbridge? Not at all. Uh, Sunday, March 21st, is Youth Sunday. The youth will be taking over the service that day, doing worship. After church, we'll have a dinner. We'll raise some money uh, for them to go to camp this summer. Wednesday, this Wednesday, this is a big deal. This Wednesday is an abolition rally at the state capitol. The church van is going to leave here at 9.30 a.m. They'll stop for lunch and then be back at 6 o'clock Wednesday night. It is to support uh, the, the fight against abortion, which is going to be Senate Bill 391 that is in committee right now. So please come and go uh, if you can on Wednesday. Something else that's coming up that we talked about at our elders meeting this morning, don't have an official date yet, it's going to be either the 24th or the 31st on a Wednesday night. We are going to be having a Southern Baptist pastor from Texas who is the president of East Texas Right to Life come to the church. And that day he is going to be coming. He is going to be talking about our town passing a ordinance against abortion. That is a big thing that we're going to be pushing with our city council members. We're also, uh, there is a meet and greet going to be here at the church for city council members and school board members, uh, the, the ones that are running later on uh, this month on the 29th also. But we're going to be bringing this guy in because one of the goals is we want to outlaw abortion in every town across the country. Right now there's 20 cities in the United States that have done that. They're all in Texas. There's not one in Missouri why can't Marshfield be the first, and we should be the first, with the backing of this church? So, so that's going to be a big thing that's coming down the line, guys. And let me say, it kind of goes along with the sermon from last week and this week, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. Any other announcements that I forgot today? Week four evangelism training at the association office at 3 o'clock 
correct? Did you say 3 o'clock? Josh, 3 o'clock. Okay, 3 o'clock. Not too late to join that. Anything else? Okay, if you would please stand this morning. We're going to take up our morning offering and have a worship song before we get into the sermon and then communion. So let's go to the Lord in prayer again uh, together. Lord Jesus, we, again, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, uh, for allowing us to be here today, Lord. We honor you. And as we enter our time of worship today, Lord, we want to give back to you. So I, I pray, Lord, that you will bless this uh, offering this morning. Take it, use it to further your kingdom, God. It is an act of worship for us to give to you, Lord. So let us do that joyfully and cheerfully give by giving our best. God, we love you. We want to honor you. It's in your name I pray. Amen. God. 
believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, please remain standing. Let's honor God's word. Landon, come on up here. Landon's going to read scripture for us this morning. It's John 16, 1 through 4. He's an awesome young man. I could see him standing behind a pulpit one day, right? John 16, 1 through 4. They will put you out of the synagogues indeed. The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you. What when their hour comes, that when their hour comes, you have remember that I told them to you. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, we're here this morning, Lord, and we want to honor your word today, God. And as we, we, uh, we're, it's going to be a tough sermon again, God, but um, I hope it's encouraging to our brothers and sisters, Lord. Uh, I hope it's convicting and it's just the truth, Lord. So let us stand on the truth of your word and nothing else, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So, in looking through this passage uh, here, title of today's sermon is It's Okay to Be Hated, Part 2. That's exactly what we talked about last week, and Jesus is still in this train of thought uh, as we start John 16. So last week we talked about the warning that Jesus gave his disciples and us, that we are going to be hated. We are going to not be liked by the world. We're going to be hated by the world. When we stand on the truth of his word, we're also going to be hated. Some of the major issues we have right now in our society that we will be hated for When we take a stand on the LGBTQ agenda, abortion, and when we proclaim that Jesus is the only way to salvation, the Bible does not teach a universalist salvation. It just doesn't. Jesus is the only way. It's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me is exactly what he said. And people hated Jesus. He hated them. And last week we looked at one guy, another guy in particular, that... The people hated, and that was John the Baptist. And why did they hate John the Baptist? Because he stood against sin. He preached against sin. If you remember, he preached against Herod being married to his brother's wife. And John the Baptist called that out. And he said, Herod, it's not right that you are married to Herodias, your brother's wife. And and what did uh, Herodias do? Well, she got, our term last week was madder than a wet hen, if you remember that. She got madder than a wet hen because John the Baptist 
was preaching against her sin. And so when the opportunity came, Herodias had John executed because of that. The hatred, we also talked about the hatred of Jesus and his followers and where that comes from. It comes from Satan. It absolutely comes from Satan. Satan wants to destroy the image of God. And what's the best way he can do that? What's the best way that Satan can destroy the image of God? Well, let's look around our own country right now. Abortion. Abort innocent babies that are created in the image of God. Pervert the God-ordained family. Push this agenda. When, when the Bible says one man and one woman create a family. So if you, if you go against that, you create family chaos. And the third way is to, to spread a false gospel or a false religion. Gods that are not in this Bible. And if you worship another God that's not in this Bible, he can even be called Jesus. But if you worship something that this book does not say, that is a false gospel. And false gospels will send people, unfortunately, to hell. So what we see, what we absolutely see here, is a spiritual war. And what do we use to combat Satan? God's word. It is the sword of the spirit. It's what we, we see in Ephesians. It's our offensive weapon. We preach this, we preach the life-saving gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We continue to preach that. We continue to push that. You share the truth in love with a lost and dying world. So today, that was kind of a, a quick review from last week. Today as we open chapter 16, Jesus is in the same train of thought here. And it's still the same setting. It's still at the, the Last Supper when he washes the disciples' feet. And so we're, we're going to finish this little mini-sermon here on part two. So the first point I want to focus on today is found right here uh, in verse one. And that, he said, he tells them, why am I telling you this? And it's to keep them from falling away. So if we go back to chapter 13, it's the same setting. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet. He's taken the final supper with them and told them, that one of you is going to betray me. He told them, one of you is going to betray, betray me. And that turns out to be Judas. The next four chapters, we see Jesus is now talking to his disciples about who he is. And that's when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He promises the Holy Spirit. He, we, we, we preach through this, but I want to do a, just a quick review. He tells them he is the true vine. And then apart from him, they can do nothing. He tells them to abide in him, which means salvation. Have salvation in me. Abide in me. Or abide in him. And then as we talked last week, he tells them the world's going to hate him. And why has he told them all these things? He tells them all this, so he says, I've said these things to you from keep you from falling away. So in verse 2 he says, they will put you out of the synagogues. And even, and, and even tells them that they're, they're going to be killed. He gives them that warning. So here he didn't lie to them. What ultimately happens to the disciples? 11 out of 12 are executed. They are executed for following Christ. The world hated them. And the, and the 12th, John, is put on an abandoned island all by himself. So, so this is exactly what happens. And so uh, it, it, I, wanna, I want you to turn to a verse, Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 through 30. Turn over to Philippians. Paul is teaching along the same lines here. Philippians chapter 1. Verses 27 through 30. And this is what he says. Speaking to the church here. And he says this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that w whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you. 
that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. And verse 30, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now that I still have. So Paul was warning them. He was warning this New Testament church in Philippi that they were going to suffer for being followers of Christ. And Jesus was saying the same thing. You're going to suffer. People are going to hate you. But why is he telling them that? Once again, so they don't fall away. Now this goes to the heart of the gospel. This goes to the heart of evangelism and how we share the truth. I don't know if Josh has hit this part yet. He probably has in the videos. I don't know on evangelism class. But there's this great illustration that is used by Ray Comfort. And it's, and it's about this airplane. And, and it's what it is is he says the gospel is like this. Someone gets on a plane, and if somebody gets on a plane and someone hands you a parachute and says, hey, put this parachute on because it is going to make your ride a lot comfortable. It's going to be like you're in first class. You're going to really enjoy having this thing on. And you're like, okay, well, I don't know, but I'm going to. So you put it on, and during the flight, people are looking at you like, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And they're laughing at you, right? And it hurts your back, and, and you're uncomfortable, and the minute that somebody starts persecuting you or making fun of you, what are you going to do with that parachute? You're going to think, this isn't making my ride comfortable. This is horrible. This, and people are laughing at me and making fun of me. You're going to take that off and slam it down to the ground and want nothing to do with it ever again, right? But if somebody, you get on a plane and somebody says, hey, I'm going to warn you that during the flight, this plane is going to be going down. But this parachute... It will save your life if you have it on. It will save your life. You're going to put that parachute on because you know that any moment that plane's going to go down. And you aren't going to care. You aren't going to care if people are making fun of you. You aren't going to care if people are laughing at you. You're not going to care if it gets uncomfortable. Why? Because you know that that parachute is going to save your life. You know that it's, it's I, I got it on. I don't care what anyone else says because I know I'm okay with this thing on. That's the same thing with Christ. It's the same thing with Christ. If we, if while we're sharing the gospel, if I tell someone, oh, hey, your life is going to be great being a follower of Jesus. You're never going to have to do, oh, man, he will bring so much joy to your life and everything's going to be great. If that's how I share the gospel with somebody, is that true? Well, it wasn't true for the 11 out of the 12 disciples. It's certainly not going to be true. It hadn't been true for all my kids that are older. They've been made fun of for being followers of Christ. They've been said that they're, that, well, you, that's hatred. I mean, we talked about it last week. But if I, if I tell them, look, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ because you're dead in your sins and he will save you. He will save you for all eternity. It don't matter how many people laugh at you. It doesn't matter what they say to you. You know that you're putting on the Lord Jesus Christ because he saves you. You believe in him and you follow him because he saves you. And you know something else about Jesus? He never begged people to follow him. He never did. In fact, you know what he did? He made, he made sure that they understood the cost. Do you understand what it means to be a follower of mine? I want to read that to you. Turn to Luke chapter 14. Turn to Luke chapter 14. 
verses 25 through 33. This is Jesus doing evangelism. It's interesting. It says this, Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, So a lot of people are following him. A lot of people are following him when he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all will see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what what king, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now you know what? That's hard. Like, there's a whole crowd of people following him, and Jesus doesn't say, oh, I'm so thankful to all you are following me. Just keep following me, and just you know, it's going to be great. He doesn't say that. He says, if you don't hate father and mother, brother or sister, hate your own self, take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. You're like, man, what is that? You know what that is? That's lordship salvation. That's not a fire insurance belief. That is not easy believism. That is a Jesus, you are my God, my Lord. That's a shouting faith. That's a faith that says it doesn't matter what anyone else says about me. It doesn't matter how much it costs me in this world. It doesn't matter how much people hate me for standing on the truth. Jesus, I know you're my Lord and my God. I know you died for me, and I'm going to follow you. We see the same thing in John chapter 6. Great crowds are following Jesus. In fact, in that chapter, he feeds 5,000 of them. And that night, his disciples... They get in boats and they cross the sea. That night, Jesus walks on water. Well, then the crowds, they see Jesus go to the other side of the sea. So what do the crowds do? The crowds get in boats to follow Jesus to Capernaum. When they got there, this is what Jesus told them. He says, truly, truly, which means pay attention. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill Of the loaves. Jesus is saying, You're not seeking me because I showed you a miracle and proved that I was God. You're seeking me because I filled your belly up for one day. You have wrong motives. That's what Jesus is telling them. Jesus knew that those people weren't thinking about eternity, that they were just thinking with their stomachs. They had the wrong motive. Listen, this goes to the heart of the gospel message. If today, you came to believing faith in Jesus because it was the family thing to do, or, or it helps you in business be a, a, a Christian to be a Christian, or because, well, I mean, every one of my friends are, you will fall away at the first sign of trouble. If that's why you came to believing faith, because you think it's going to help you in this world, you're going to fall away. But if you came to believing faith because you knew that Jesus is God, 
and that you knew that you had sinned and that your sin by lying and stealing had separated you from a holy God and that the only way that you could be saved and be forgiven of your sins was to profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and believe in Him and you believe that He died for you and was resurrected. If that's why you believe, then it don't matter what happens to you, you're not going to fall away. No matter how hard it gets in this world, you're not going to fall away. You're not going to fall away. If you, if you, but on the other hand, if you came because, well, I mean, that's just what we do around Marshfield. That's just, I mean, I went to church camp when I was a kid, or I just didn't know what I was doing. But, uh, yeah, that's why. The, you know what? You're going to be just like that guy on, on the plane that rips the parachute off. The first time it doesn't go well for you. That kind of faith, let me say, is not faith. That leads to eternal death. So Jesus here issues a warning in John 16. Don't fall away because of persecution, because of threats of death. Don't worry about that. That's expected. We should be ready for that. Let me say this morning, you guys heard what I said we were going to be having at this church, right? You know how many towns in Missouri have passed an abortion ordinance? Zero. You know how many towns across the United States have? Twenty. All in Texas. Woohoo, Texas. None in Missouri. Guess what? If we're the church that's pushing that in Marshfield, Missouri, if we're the church in southwest Missouri that's pushing that, be ready to be hated. Be ready to have people standing out there with picket signs. Be ready. Be ready. Are you? Are you? I am. Our elders asked that this morning. We asked each other that this morning. We ready for that, fellas? Yep, let's do it. Why? Because we know it's following God's word. It's the right thing to do as followers of Christ. It's, the, it's going on the offensive. You say, well, there's no abortion clinics in Marshfield. You know the goal of the current administration is to make sure that abortion is medically available in every zip code in the United States. Whew, okay, that's your goal? I'm going to make it my goal that in the 65706 there's no abortion. And we'll go and have a battle about that. So, hey, what's the deal? You could say, well, man, that's just really aggressive. I'd, I'd rather be a part of a church that's just a little bit more passive and just doesn't get along. I wouldn't. I'd rather be a part of one that stands on the truth of God's word, regardless of the consequences, regardless. So it goes to the heart of the gospel. Here's my point. Why am I enthusiastic about this? Because I read what Jesus says at the opening of the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. This is what he says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, that is a promise that when you are persecuted for standing on the truth of God's word, blessed are you who are persecuted, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. We have to have an eternal focus. All right, second thing here. Second thing. I'm getting a little bit worked up. Can I have say okay, can you guys give me a bottle of water, one of the deacons maybe? Somebody? Is there one up here? Oh, perfect. Thank you, Casey. You didn't. We're good. All right, so second thing here. Why are they doing this? Why are people persecuting the church? Well, Jesus says it's because they think that they're believers. These people that will hate us that we talked about last week, they're gonna say that they're doing it. In service to God. 
Now, isn't that amazing? They're going to say that they're doing it in service to God. Go back to John 16. Go back to John 16. Verses 2 through 3. It says this. He tells his disciples, They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. So the people that were going to be persecuting them and persecuting us are going to do it and say they're going to do it in the name of service to God. Well, how can that be? Thank you, buddy. How can that be? One can't, I mean, both sides can't be right, right? Now, this reminded me of the study that we've been doing on Wednesday night of the Apostle Paul. We've been studying the book of Acts on Wednesday nights, and it's been good. But we know from the Apostle Paul, who was first named Saul, right, that he was at the stoning of a man named Stephen, one of the first deacons of the church. He was there. He was there. It's in Acts chapter uh, 7, and then I want you to turn to Acts chapter 8. We just read this. It was either last week or the week before. Turn over there real quick. Acts chapter 8. Excuse me, Acts chapter 9. I want to read the, the verses. Well, actually, let's start with 8. 8, 1 through 3 says, And Saul approved of his execution. And there rose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So Saul is literally persecuting the church. And who is he persecuting it in the name of? Who who had sent him out? Turn over to Acts chapter uh, 9. Acts chapter 9. Read read verses 1 through 2. It's one, one page over. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters in the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So who did he go to? He went to the house of the high priest. So he had been sent by people that were saying they were following God, that they didn't believe in Jesus. So that's how this whole thing started. Who sent him out? The high priests and the religious leaders. And they were persecuting true Christians, thinking that they were standing for God. Saul then, in Acts chapter 9, encounters the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And later in Damascus was baptized a follower of the Lord Jesus. And he later says this about his persecution on the church. It's in Galatians uh, 1, 6 through 10. Let's read there real quick. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. He says this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Or am I seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. 
So we see him, he's warning of this false gospel. And even down in verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. When he was hating the church, when he was persecuting Christians, what did that show? That he was lost. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't know Jesus. He thought he was serving God. And many people today, listen to me, many people today are going to persecute true biblical Christians in the name of God. It's a God that they have created. It's a God that they have created with their own mind. A God that they have created that says, we can live how we want to live. We can do what we want to do. And because you preach the truth on that, we're going to persecute you. And we're going to do it in the name of a God who's not true. And we have to be able to recognize that. We also see it around the world with Islam. Some Muslims around the world think that by jihad, they are fighting for God. They think that by persecuting Christianity, that they are fighting for God. But what are they really doing? They're fighting against God. They're literally making themselves enemies of God. And today, but in our own country, like I said, today in our own country, we are... We are fighting for the truth of God's word. And there are people that are fighting against the truth of God's word. They're fighting for the truth of the the Lord Jesus in the name of other gods. They'll call their God Jesus, but it's not the God of the Bible. Or they're fighting against the truth on the name of political correctness. Well, we can't say that. We can't do that because it's just not politically correct anymore. Or they're, or they're, fighting, uh, they're, they're fighting against the true church in, in the name of the gods of acceptance. We have to accept everything. And if you don't accept something, that means you hate them, which is, couldn't be further from the truth. Just because you don't accept something doesn't mean that you hate the person. It doesn't. We have to get away from that. We have to understand it. Or, or, or they're, they're fighting against the truth of God's word in the name of gods that you love who you want to love. Live how you want to live, like I said. It's, it's just like an example of Saul trying to destroy the church and destroy Christians. And they're aligning themselves with the world. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. It's happened all throughout the centuries since Jesus was here. In every single century, James 4.4, a verse that I read last, uh, last time. You adulterous people, last week, do you not know that friendship the world is amenity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. We see this. You know, we, my father-in-law said something to me a couple weeks ago, and I don't think I told you last week, but I thought it was perfectly fitting. You know what people in our country are doing right now? God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And America right now is trying to build back those cities. They're trying to build back what God destroyed. And that's the truth. And we, can, we have to be on the side of God's word. I mean, it all comes down to this. We covered this in discipleship this morning, right? We either believe that this is without errancy, the inerrancy of Scripture, without error, without contradiction, or we don't. Like, if it says it in here, we have to do it. But people who don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture... They have a a, a standard that's not based on absolute truth. They will change truth with how they want to live their life. They'll change truth with whatever's relevant to the circumstances. And we know that can't be the truth. So what's the solution? Before I close here, we have an invitation to take communion. What's the solution? What's the solution? Not me. It's not slick words. It's the cross. 
That's the solution. Having salvation that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that when we are in Christ, even in death, we are alive in Christ. So how do we combat persecution? The first thing is be in Christ. Be in Christ. Be a follower of His. A true biblical follower of His. A true follower of His. To be in Christ. Be in Christ. And to do what then? Share Christ. Share the truth of the gospel. How do we know we won't fall away? To be in Christ. No true follower of Christ is going to fall away. His word says so. It's not me. John 10, 27 through 30 says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That's one of the most comforting set of verses in all of Scripture. So what should be our goal? What should be our goal in this? To wrap this up, know that the hate is going to come. The persecution is going to come. It's not going to get better. Be ready for it. Know it. And when you know it, and you're grounded in the truth of who Jesus is, it's okay. What's the title of the last two-week sermon? It's okay to be hated. It's okay. Don't be sad about it. Rejoice in it. Rejoice in persecution. It is going to come. It is going to come. Know that people that persecute you because you stand on the truth of what this is, they don't know God. So share the gospel with them. Treat them not with hate. Don't, don't eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? What Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. They hate, you share love. Share love. Share the truth. When I say share love, it's not a love where we stand around and hug and sing kumbaya. It's the love of Jesus. It's the love of Jesus, the ultimate love. Share the truth and love with them of who Jesus is, that they can be forgiven and saved. You do that in love and not hate. Look, people that are leading these agendas and these things across our country and even in our own community, I don't hate them. I don't get angry with them. Sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I get angry, but I shouldn't. I I love them. I want them to be saved. I want to share the truth with them because I know that can change them. That should be our attitude. I'm going to ask our worship team to come this morning. Maybe you're here this morning. You don't know Christ. You don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, as your Lord and your Savior. I urge you today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't leave without professing Him as your personal Lord and Savior understanding what he did for you on the cross. We're also, I encourage you this morning, we're going to have a time of prayer during this. I encourage you this morning to pray about what we're going to do as a church body in the coming months, in the coming years. Hey, we're, it'd be real easy. Listen, it'd be real easy for us to keep our neck inside our little turtle shell, right? And stay in our little bubble here at Crossbridge and be real happy with one another and Raise our kids up and, you know, just be happy, love one another. It's another thing to stick your neck out and say, God, we're going to stand for you. Now, when you do that, be ready for someone to go, 
like they did with John the Baptist. Hopefully not in a physical sense, but absolutely in a persecution sense by calling you names. We're not going to be the most popular place. I'm okay with that. I've never been the most popular guy anywhere. Our elders haven't been. We're okay with that. What we're okay with is standing on the truth of God's word. No matter the consequences, no matter the outcome. I have a full-time job. I do, outside of here. We live in a cancel culture. We just do right now. I'm ready one day to be fired from that job for what comes from this pulpit. I'm okay with that. I am. We have to stand on the truth. I want you to pray about for this church, for our outreaches, for reaching a lost and dying world. And the other thing, before we take communion, we always want to do this before we take communion. It's extremely important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 30, God gives us a warning about taking communion in an unworthy manner. So here's the warning this morning. This isn't from me. This is from God. If you have not professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't take communion this morning. It says there's consequences to do that, take communion if we, if, if we, it says that's why some of you have been sick and died. That's what it says, what the verses say. So don't take communion this morning if you're not a follower of Christ, all right? The other thing is if you're living in unprofessed, unrepentant sin. If you're living in rebellion against God and you know that because the Holy Spirit's convicting you, you're going to have a time where you can confess that sin to God before you take communion. We encourage you to do that. That's an individual thing. You don't need a priest to pray for you. You don't need an elder to pray for you. If you want me to, I will. That's between you and God. Get that out of your way. Also, we eat Family Sunday. We have a lot of kids in here. Parents, if your child has professed Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, it's up to you. Give them communion. If they haven't, don't let them take communion. We don't police the situation. It's just the warning that Scripture gives us, and so we want to relay that warning. So I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Before we get into our communion service, if you need to come and pray this morning, you can do that. If you need to talk with me or anybody else of our elders, you can do that. Let's pray, and then we'll have our invitation. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your word, Lord. And we thank you for the warning that you give us, and you gave your disciples about being persecuted, Lord, and being hated. And God, let us, through all of that, let us have put you on and trusted in you because you saved us from your sins and no other reason. Not because it's a family thing or a tradition, but because we believe in what you did for us on the cross. We believe you did what you did in the grave, that you defeated death, proving you were the perfect sacrifice, God, and that we are separated by our sin and that you paid for our sin. We believe in that this morning. We preach that. God, I pray for our church members. I pray as they leave here that they stand on the truth for your word. I pray that, God, you encourage them I pray for our church. I pray for these efforts we're going to make in our community, God, that we want to live. We have an accountability to uphold righteousness and truth in our local community. And I pray that we do that diligently, unapologetically, by sharing the truth and love and the truth of your word. Lord, we love you as we, we honor you today. Lord, in communion, I pray that people will get themselves right with you their sin in their life that has them separated from you, not in a salvation sense, but in our brothers and sisters where that sin has caused an issue between them and you. I pray that they'll confess that today before we take communion and remember what you did for us and look forward to your returning and making all things perfect. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you. Yeah, give it, give God a hand. You may be seated this morning. I'm going to ask our elders to come. Uh, our associate pastor, Josh, is going to lead us this morning uh, in communion. And so I do want to say this before uh, we take communion, and we're going to have him come up here at the end. But um, Wednesday night, I had the opportunity to uh, talk with Ben. And we talked about Ben Gentry, who just came up just a second ago. And uh, I had spent a good while visiting with him and sharing the gospel. And his parents have been sharing the gospel with him. And they've been actually going through discipleship on Sunday mornings with Selena and I. And we've, we've made it through one lesson in about, what, six weeks? That's okay. We're, we're, it's going good. Um, but anyway, he has come this morning and professed Christ as his Lord and Savior. And, yeah. And so he is going to uh, get to take his first communion this morning. What a joyous uh, thing he gets to do today. I'm going to ask also a couple of our deacons if they would come and help this morning uh, with communion. All right, good morning, church. What a joyous time to come together to remember the sacrifice that our Savior made. Right. Um, so in Matthew 26, Jesus established the observation of the Lord's Supper, and he gave us the example to follow. Um, and he showed us... Uh, what it meant to fellowship as a body, to fellowship as believers, um, to come together in remembrance. And this is a, a fantastic way as a body that we can observe that. Um, I would encourage you while we are passing out the elements here in just a moment to continue to think through and, and reflect on the sacrifice that Christ made. Reflect on yourself um, in, in, in quiet prayer or praise um, or, or admiration for the sacrifice that he made. Um, we will pass it out. Um, then we will have a prayer time over the bread. Um, then we'll have a separate prayer time over the juice, taking it all together. Okay. Um, so that's how our process will work. Thank you guys so much for participating. It is a joyous time, and I'm excited to be here to fellowship with you on this day. So.
this morning um, as we prepare to serve together. Our holy heavenly Father, we, we truly thank you, Father, for this time that we can come before you, Father, remembering what you've done through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he took his own body and it was broken for our benefit, for our healing, Father. And Father, this bread represents that, and we truly thank you. And we remember what he done in Jesus' name. Amen. And scripture says, after he prayed and blessed the cup, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Let's eat. Scripture tells us after that, he blessed the cup. I would ask, uh, Denny, would you bless the cup for us this morning? Lord, as we could come to you this day, God, we thank you for the blood that you've sacrificed, Lord, and as this represents it, Lord, keep us mindful that the life is in that blood, and we thank you so much for your sacrifice, Father, of your Son, who gives us salvation in Christ's name, amen. Amen. In Matthew, Scripture says that he took the cup and blessed it, and it says, he, he said, drink it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let's drink together. And then scripture says that they went out rejoicing. So I would ask Wes to come um, during a joyous time of fellowship with our brothers to come and lead us in song. Um, and then Jeff's going to have just a moment for us to, to greet the, the, exciting, the exciting young one that made a decision. That's exciting stuff. stand. Brian and Abby and Ben would come up here this morning. I want you to come around and welcome him, congratulate him on this day when heaven, it says the angels in heaven are rejoicing today. 
So uh, I want you to come around and congratulate him and pray for his parents. And, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get to go down to the creek. And actually, we're going to be baptizing all three of them this spring, right? So I'm excited about that. So um, let, let's, uh, let's close with a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord Jesus, again today, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made for us on the cross, Lord. And we just look forward to the day. We long for the day to spend all eternity with you, Lord. And I pray this morning for Brian and Abby and Ben, Lord, and their family. It's an awesome thing when someone has believed in their heart and professed that with their mouth in you. And so what an amazing day. Let us rejoice with him and leave here today rejoicing because of what you did for us, what you did for Ben this morning. We love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.